Welcome to the Disruptor Network Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Disruptors Podcast. In this episode, I have the honor of interviewing powerhouse CEO Amber Hurdle. She's the founder of the Amber Hurdle Consulting Firm. It's a multi-award winning leadership and talent optimization firm. Amber was named by Nashville Business Bureau as top 40 under 40 and Global Gurus named her the top 30 brand professionals for 2020. Amber has consulted everyone from FedEx Ground, Marriott Hotels, Stella and Dot, Fortune 100 companies, as well as A-list celebrities. In this episode, we talk about the importance of building your brand equity, understanding data to understand your audience, and building leaders within your organization. This episode welcomes Amber Hurdles. Ignition. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of Disruptors Network. I'm filling in for Ralph this week, but um, I have the pleasure of interviewing Amber. Uh, Amber, Amber's a, you know, her, her bio, I can go on and on and on. But, you know, really, I'll, I'll highlight some of what, how she's been recognized. You know, Amber, you've been recognized uh, among the top 40 under 40 by the Nashville Business Journal. Um, you've been recognized by the Nashville Area Chambers of Nashville Emerging Leaders Award as the winner in the business category. Uh, you've been recognized by Global Gurus for being the top 30 brand professionals for 2020 and 2021. Welcome, Amber, to our Disruptors Network show. Really happy to have you here. So glad to be here. Thanks for having me. So, Amber, you know, um, Myself coming from like a brand and media and, and PR background, you know, I understand the importance of branding, you know, and we're, we're huge. We're big on branding disruptors network, you know, was really built the buzz around our brand was really built on social media when we were able to just really draw attention to our brand and our purpose and our values and our mission using uh, social media platforms. Um, I'll start with this question, you know, how do you think as a publicist, as a brand specialist, how do you think uh, exposure or social media has changed the course of PR in general? <laughs> oh, that's a loaded question for today, because like one of the final thoughts that I had before hopping on this call was if we didn't have to do social media, I would quit. <laughs> <laughs> just, really? I mean, honestly, just because there's so much ugliness out there right now, there's just so many yeah. opinions and, you know, there's just all kinds of stuff going on. So, yeah. um, all of that aside, I would just say that the power of social media is that everybody has a platform and everybody has a voice. So you don't have to wait to be on Oprah or Ellen or the today show or whatever that is in order to be able to share your message. So mm -hmm. you can have somebody who, has very limited media experience. They can learn online on YouTube or, you know, take a course or whatever experiment and then create an, an audience that has such an interest in what they're about and what they have to say that it, it just transforms their lives. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's more about, um, you know, public relations is a, is a mutual beneficial relationship between an organization and its publics, mm -hmm. plural. You have multiple publics. And so, you know, you have the capacity with social media to engage your like external public, your audience, potential mm -hmm. customers, then your internal audience, your employees, 
your customers, um, your vendors. I mean, it's just, it's a way to stay connected in a beautiful way. Mm -hmm. It's also more accessible, I think as well, right? Um, mm -hmm. Where big brands would pay thousands in billboard placements and magazine placements, you know, the average person can utilize, you know, a platform like Facebook or Instagram in order to really grow an, an audience. So the accessibility, yeah. I think as well. But it's not an end all be all either though. I mean, I'll say that like, I don't have the greatest social media following because I don't have the attention span for it. So um, I, but I still get done when I need to get done. I still serve my people. I'm out there enough where people know what I do, but like, honestly, I'm busy doing it. So I don't need to tell everybody that mm. I'm doing it. You know what I mean? And that's, and I'm not knocking social media because it's a very powerful tool as I just uh, went on and on about, but I, I guess I want to put the caveat on there to anybody who's listening or watching that. If, if you don't have a giant social media following, like work who you have on there and just be consistent. Okay. And, and I can tell you a lot of the bigger brands that I work with, um, I might've been referred because mm -hmm. of my reputation for actually doing the things, not for talking about doing the things. And then, and then they go check my social media. Why not necessarily to see how many followers I have, which Twitter mm -hmm. that does matter in, in certain arenas, but they check it because they want to know if I, if my brand is aligned with their brand and that is what you have to get right. You have to get your brand messaging, right? And if you're not consistent about that, then anytime somebody shows up to your house or your satellite office, which is what social media is, house would be your website. Social media would be your, your satellite offices. If they show up to your satellite office and they're like, mm, no, that's not on brand for us. Then that's a, that's a way to say, yes, this is for me or no, that's not for me as quickly as a website can. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So I love it. Like brand alignment with your target audience is important. Yes. I love that. Um, I know you've worked with like, you know, FedEx Ground, Lowe's, Marriott, AT&T, Renaissance Hotels, uh, uh, these huge, huge mega corporations. When they think of you, um, what do they think of? Why, do, why, why would they call you? You know, is it a specific niche that you're like really, really, really good at? Yeah. So I have the Velvet Machete brand strategy and that's what sets me apart. And that's why I you know, won the Global Gurus Awards because I do branding and leadership differently. So when you have a giant company or even like a multimedia or multi-marketing, multi-level marketing, can I talk today company, mm -hmm. you have at the top, you have personal brands. Okay. So what are people saying about you when you're not in the room? That's the Jeff Bezos definition. Mm -hmm. So what are people saying about you when you're not in the room? We got to get those dialed in. We have to be truly authentic to who we are so that we don't have to be awkward or try or stretch or be yeah. insecure about who we are. Once we have strong personal brands leading strong employer brands, you now what's an employer brand? It's not your culture. Their culture mm -hmm. is part of your employer brand, mm -hmm. but what are your employees saying about you? And what is the marketplace saying about you? Are you having a hard time recruiting because everybody thinks it's a terrible place to work or are people interested in coming to work for you? Are you a top tier employer? Mm -hmm. So if you have really great personal brands leading the people you have a strong employer brand. And then guess what happens mm -hmm. when you have happy employees, mm -hmm. you have happy customers, mm -hmm. <laughs> and then you mm -hmm. have a strong business brand because a, a business brand is not, it's not the Nike swoosh or the word Nike. Mm -hmm. It's what is this emotional 
exchange that I have when I give Nike my money and I get something in return? What does it feel like when I go into a Nike store? What does that customer experience start to finish? Not customer service, not calling a 1-800 number, but from the time I start engaging with this brand to the full sales cycle and then follow up and, and anything that I engage with online, social media, whatever. Mm-hmm. You have to have all th- three of those things in alignment and they're all interconnected or it's broken. Mm-hmm. And so when you have a big behemoth of a company and then maybe there's turnover or maybe there's just anxiety or people mm-hmm. are getting siloed or um, customer service is taking a hit, then they call me so I can come in and like deal with the leaders so that we can talk about, well, what is this employee employer brand experience going to be like? And then magically customer service goes up. Mm-hmm. I, I, I love that, you know, um, that formula or that concept, you know, of taking like your personal brand and all the way down where your employees really feel happy to go to work every single day and genuinely, you know, it's almost like becomes like a lifestyle, you know, they're the company yeah. that we work from represent represents their sure. lifestyle and aligns with their values. You know, how do you take that concept and apply it to antiquated industries? I'll give you the example, <laughs> you know, our mortgage companies. Uh, are very antiquated industries. Like, how do you take something so antiquated and and say, okay, look, we're we're really going to push this personal brand, and we're really going to focus on on making sure our employees are happy working for us, and it's really going to be genuine and authentic. How do how do you do that in antiquated industries? It's it's really simple because we're all humans, and I, I just taught a branding workshop in New Orleans. I don't know. I've been in so many cities in the past couple of weeks. It was like a week or two ago. Um, And they were like, oh, but I sell to companies. I'm like, oh, do you like go up to the brick and mortar building and talk to it? Like, is that like, do you get online and say how I want to do business with you? www.whatever.com. And they're like, no, I'm like, well, how do you get into that business? And they're like, well, I mean, I guess it's a person. I'm like, so you're selling to a person. You're not selling to a business. You're selling to a person who has the purse strings to the business, but you're still selling to a person. So it's that same approach that I take, especially, and oh, I do love some antiquated. I love it. Like that's one of my favorites is going into male dominated, antiquated companies and just like, let's keep it real. Mm-hmm. Um, you are a human being. Mm-hmm. What do you want people to believe about you so that you can feel fully seen? And maybe I don't use that language with everybody, but like, where do you, how do you want your professional reputation to be? Do wow. you want people to respond to you? Do you want them to do this? Wow. Because what you're doing over here is not getting you this result. So how's that working for you? Mm-hmm. Okay. You do want this. All right. Let's talk about how you're showing up because you're showing up and you're wanting to blanket everybody because that's how you want to be treated. Mm -hmm. So we have to develop some self-awareness about your behaviors. We have to do some people data on you because then the data informs our strategy, just like all things in marketing and PR and branding. And, and so if we really can understand what makes you tick, Mm -hmm. then we can start comparing, right? So will this employee I get along with because they act like me. So that's easy. Mm -hmm. But what happens is we start talking about the golden rule, like treat everybody the way you want to be treated BS. That doesn't work anymore. We got to do the platinum rule, treat everybody the way they want to be treated. You Mm -hmm. don't change your brand. Just like Nike doesn't change its brand when it's marketing to a performance athlete versus a soccer mom wanting to wear athleisure wear, but we're Mm -hmm. going to communicate with those two audiences differently. And each, each employee, each role is a distinct audience. And remember at the beginning, I said, yeah, It's a mutually beneficial PR, mutually beneficial relationship between an organization or a person and its publics, plural. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, and this can apply to insurance companies. This can apply to mortgage oh, companies, yeah. attorney companies. Sure. Um, it really starts, as you mentioned, with the person, with the leader, right? And the reflection mm-hmm. amongst you know the entire team. Um, so I have a question for you. How did you get into PR and personal branding? Accidentally. <laughs> so um, I had my daughter very young. I was 16. And, and so I dropped out of college to work four jobs <laughs> and just try to get by. And then, so I'm working all these jobs and I kept thinking, well, there's a smarter way of doing this. Like, why are we working so hard to do this? Like, we'll just connect with this person or we'll host this event or we'll promote it this way. And I didn't know that there was a thing called public relations. And then I finally was like, oh, it's a thing. Like, this is like a whole career, this thing that I've been doing. Mm -hmm. So I went back to college and I got my public relations degree. And what I realized is that internal audiences was my jam. Mm -hmm. So I tend to be like the internal publicist for senior leaders. Um, I have worked with countless business owners on their personal brands. Mm-hmm. And then we go through the whole cycle to make sure that their you know, team is strong and their, their business brand is strong, but especially mm-hmm. when you're talking about lawyers, insurance agents, realtors, things mm-hmm. like that, you are a commodity, a commodity if you don't, if you cannot define and articulate your distinct value, then we're, we're just comparing prices at this point. So mm-hmm. like I can get, you know, however many pounds of corn for this price from this farmer, or I can get it for this price or this corn, corn is corn is corn. Like, unless it's grown differently, corn is corn is corn. So mm-hmm. I'm in the South. Can you tell I'm talking about farmers, <laughs> but, but when we think about commodities, we do think right. about like corn or wheat or, you know, things like that. And so if you are a personal brand that's under, so, okay. I'm a realtor, like every other realtor, I'm a mortgage Mm -hmm. officer or a a lawyer, like everybody else. And then I'm under the Remax brand. Okay. Well, Ooh, Remax, that's my brand. So that sets me apart. No, it doesn't because there are a gajillion agents under the Remax brand. Well, I specialize in luxury homes. Good for you. Nobody else on the planet does that. Like, come on, like, what else do you have for me? And so you have to hone in so specifically to what you want to be known for. So I can instantly know I want to work with you. Wow. That's powerful. It's almost becomes like your narrative, your story. You know, there can Mm -hmm. be tons of loan officers and tons of realtors. What sets you apart? What's going to make you memorable? What's going Mm -hmm. to be when people ask you, what do you do for a living? What would you, would you just reply? I'm a realtor. (laughs) I'm just a loan officer. I'm an insurance rep. No, right. What, what's your story? What's your narrative? That's powerful. That's really powerful because that sort of narrative connects you with other people and makes you uh, very memorable to them and saying, I, I want to work with her. I want to work with her. So um, how, how interesting is that? Give me an example of um, personal branding project, whether it's on an individual or company that you worked for, what was the challenge? And then what were the results of of that specific project? It can be a crazy one. doesn't matter. Oh, well, I can, I mean, I could even use myself like quickest example and let me think about who I want to use, but um, so many, so many, (laughs) but you know, there, how many speakers are there? How many consultants are there? How many authors are there? Well, there's a lot and, and I do branding, but y'all do branding. Like there's so many people that do branding. Well, I do branding a very distinct way with my velvet machete, but other people can have like, you know, their little formulas too. But the thing that sets me apart is I had to learn about branding because I got knocked up at 16 Mm -hmm. and I had to figure out how to get myself from behind the eight ball. 
Like mm-hmm. it, it was, it was like, this kid has to stay alive and flourish. Mm-hmm. I've got to figure this out. And so what I learned was how to position myself. I learned how to make a work environment mm-hmm. effective. I learned how to promote my businesses because I was feeding mm-hmm. somebody. And so you go talk to some branding person that maybe got a degree in it and they look really fancy on Instagram, or you can come to me and I'm going to frigging go to the map for you because it's coming from an inner gut level. So that's my brand story. You have to find that powerful piece that makes people think this is the only person for wow. me. Wow. Wow. How, how do you find that, that little piece? Like if you're working with someone who's not comfortable being on camera, not comfortable uh, in being interviewed by media outlets, not comfortable putting his or herself out there. What are the sorts of questions that you begin to ask them that really begin to reveal their personal story? Yeah. Well, most people are uncomfortable putting themselves out there because they don't understand themselves. Mm-hmm. So they don't know what to give people because they don't see themselves. And so we start with that self-awareness. So, you know, I do um, the predictive index. I do how to fascinate. I'm certified in, in these different people analytics. And that's kind of the, that's the shortcut. Then I have them um, what I call follow your breadcrumbs. So just like Hansel and Gretel, when they were, you know, going through the enchanted forest, they left breadcrumbs so they can find their way back home. And life has a way of doing that. And so if you go all the way back to childhood, like how did you show up in your family? Were you the peacemaker? Were you the jokester? You know, what did that look like in elementary school? Who were you in junior high amongst all of your Mm -hmm. friends? Go to high school, go to college, your first job, like your last job, look for those common threads. My common threads, I've always been about communication and engagement. I always brought everybody together. I'm that person in my friend group. I'm that person in my family. I was that person in student council, like always bringing people together and communicating how that was going to happen. So that was a very easy thing for me to be like, oh, PR is probably my thing. Mm -hmm. But the other thing that I I encourage people to do, we do a, um, like a reach out exercise. And Mm -hmm. so I ask people to pick like 20 or 30 people that, um, that they've worked with or interacted with in various areas of their life. Okay. So it could be a former boss. It could be somebody who reports to you now. It could be your aunt that knows you really well. Maybe your spouse, some friends, people you volunteer mm-hmm. with, whatever, but I want it. I want to be able to see a holistic part of your life, not just work because how you show up is how you show up is how you show up. Mm-hmm. You just don't understand that those consistencies are there. So I have a litany of questions of the survey that you send out and none of them are positioned in a way that are, that you'll get any negative feedback. So there's right. no fear there. There is fear for people. Cause they're like, I can't believe I'm asking these questions of my friends. I'm like, it's going to be amazing <laughs> promise, but okay. there's one question I'd encourage okay. you and everybody sure. listening sure. to go ahead and, and put out on your social media, tag me Amber hurdle or Amber hurdle fan on Facebook or wherever. Um, ask your friends, send an email, text message, snap it, whatever. What is the one thing that I undervalue about myself? Undervalue. Mm-hmm. Wow. That is powerful. That's powerful. Cause I thought you would ask, you know, what's the one thing that makes me stand out or what's the one thing that, you know, uh, you see as my best skill, but you're saying the key question is asking 30 friends or family members, What's the one thing that I undervalue about myself? Tell me why this question is powerful to ask. What does it reveal? Because we typically know our strengths. Like we know what we're pretty good at. We've gotten awards or promotions or a boss has told us or our team has told us or families like, oh, you're really great at this. We know that we might diminish it or insecurities might get in the way, but we pretty much know what we're good at. What usually your superpower is what 
is so natural to you that you don't even see it. It's so easy to you that you think everybody can do it. And so if you ask other people, like, what's that value that I bring that I don't see is essentially what you're asking. You're going to get that consistently across all areas of your life. And you can start finding those common threads again. And that's what we're looking for. We're looking for data. I mean, that's what I, I say. I, I, I put science and branding together because you have like this whole nerdy side and then you have this really sexy side and we just make a baby. <laughs> and that's how we do branding and Amber Hurdle Consulting. Mm -hmm. How interesting. So really personal branding is less about putting out there your sales stats for the month, the company, number of employees, the awards of recognition. It's less about that. And it's more about the individuals. Um, how, how can I say this there? This, the individual's inner, inner core of, of what exactly of values of, yeah. How would you explain what that? you stand for? Wow. It is, it is, wow. um, it is, well, first of all, I think the most important part of personal branding and all of those things that you just talked about back that up, but it is personal branding is about defining and positioning your value. So what value do you bring? Let me give you an example. Um, when, okay. So you're from New Jersey, you're in New Jersey. New Jersey. When I say the word tractor supply, that company, what do you think about? Uh, tractor supply. I, I don't know what comes to mind, like trucks or. Yeah. Farm, Farm, like country. Yeah. Absolutely. Conservative. Yes. Yeah. Like Southern, you know, like you kind of, so then you start to make some assumptions about this company. Right. But right. Let, me, let me tell you about their CEO, Hal Lawton. So, um, I've spoken at tractor supply several times. I have people in, in their company in my programs and I love this company. So I want anybody, sorry, Hal, um, I want anybody <laughs> to go onto LinkedIn and I want you to follow Hal Lawton because he is the most inclusive, wow. um, attentive CEO, I believe in corporate America, okay. because he's all about empowering like these groups that, so they have like a, a women's group, they have an LGBTQ group, they have a, um, a, a black tractor supply group. They have, I believe a Hispanic group, but it's not like this is just for these people. It's all senior leaders show up to these. Mm -hmm. Everyone is invited. Men are invited to come to the women's functions. Wow. Um, we're all allies of each other, but we're going to honor your place in this company. And you're thinking wow. like, wow, this is like tractor supply. This right. is where I go get my chicken wire. Like what is happening here? Yeah. But the reason why I want you to follow him on social media is not only for his intelligent posts, but because then you will see I don't care who it is. It could be store associate frontline checkout person at store three, seven, two, eight in Milwaukee, at, anywhere. Mm -hmm. And if they post something on LinkedIn, he's liking it. He's thanking them. Thank you for your service. That's amazing. I'm so, I'm so proud of how you took care of that customer. We're wow. so glad that you're on our team. I mean, like it's my feet is wow. littered with him encouraging his employees. Wow. So now what do you think? Not only his employees think about him which is a reflection of what they think about the company they work for. Wow. You've got to think about what the board thinks about him. You have to right. think about what shareholders think about him. You have to think about what the business community as a whole thinks about him. He's showing it's here's his brand story. His, his distinct value came from his days at Macy's and now he's come in and he's doing some more um, he's, he's known for technology and really getting people up to speed on technology. So there's his kind of value. 
And then he continues to still tell his story through his actions every single day that he interacts with the world. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. 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 So what I'm hearing, you know, a lot is, you know, identify, first of all, ask yourself the question, right? 30 friends, like, you know, what, what is the one thing that I may undervalue about myself? Um, and then from there, then you discover, you know, your, your core values, who you really are, your skills and your assets, but it's also about empowering others. It's also mm-hmm. about supporting others. So it's, it's not this like self-centric mission, but it's about servicing others in the process mission. That's what I'm hearing. Oh girl. So that's like my whole thing, right? Is the wow. only reason wow. why you need a personal brand is so that wow. you have the opportunity to serve other people. Wow. That's powerful. That's it. Wow. And what is business? Yeah. So we can have the Harvard or the Dartmouth type definition of what business is, but the Amber definition is you have a problem. I solve your problem. You give me money. That's business. Mm-hmm. If I'm solving your problem. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is, it's, it's about money. Like at the end of the day, but the beauty of business is that that transaction only occurs when I'm in service to you. And so why would I not want to wake up every single day and understand the value that I offer to the world so that I can serve other people and make their lives better? If it's about me, I'm not winning ever. I will not be happy in life. I will not be happy in business because then it's just the me show and who cares. But if I'm serving other people and they're edified by my product or my service or whatever, now I have some kind of meaning in life and I get to do that through business. So heck yeah, we need to get our personal brands dialed. So we get the chance to do that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Wow. You know, um, I don't think people realize, you know, that personal branding does not have to be so intimidating, (laughs) you know, does not not have to be uh, exposure to all of my downfalls or my faults or weaknesses. And even in fact, you know, vulnerability becomes important in personal branding, I think as well, right? Weakness, exposing Mm -hmm. some of your weaknesses is important in personal branding because, you know, you as a company, when we think of companies, we think of logos, corporations, employees, how much money they made that year. But when we think of the individual and the leader, um, you know, we, we think of like, can we relate to them? Can my values align to their, of their values? Are they, are they humanized? You know, if yeah. they seem too perfect and too rigid and too, you know, structured, you know, there may not be that. And that's not me. <laughs> right. That's not me. I can't relate. But you're right. You know, um, and it also becomes about service. You know, how how do I service my employees? How do I service the community? Um, and are you in the service business? And you're right. Whether you're it's a tractor company, mortgage, insurance, um, we're really all in the service business. You know, how can I service you? How can I help you grow? How can I participate in the community and build the employees within my company? So that's powerful. That's very, 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 very powerful. And you touched on something that is, is a very big deal in my community. And that is, you know, being vulnerable and understanding that not everything about you is, um, is powerful. And, but, but there's one thing that I love to really impart on anyone that I interact with at this level. And that's that you're not weak. I, I, I cannot stand when people say, well, how can I overcome my weaknesses? You don't, you're not weak. I'm not weak. You're not weak. So I say there might be some parts of your personality mm-hmm. that are less than helpful advancing your personal brand. They might be less than helpful as you interact with people. They might be less than helpful for you to perform this particular job. Mm-hmm. For example, I don't love hanging out in a spreadsheet talking about numbers. So I have, 
I have a bookkeeper, I have a CPA and I have, um, a, a payroll manager. So they do all of those things for me. I don't have to do those things. That's not how I was designed to perform at my best. Now that doesn't make it weakness. That just means I need to bubble wrap it. So I have these little stickers that I always leave behind or my clients get them because if we think about fine China, typically that's, you know, it's expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes it's passed down through generations. So there's this intrinsic value to it. Like nobody would be like, oh, what's that crap? Get rid of that. That's weak. We, we don't like China, but if you take it out of its everyday use, what it was designed to do, and you take it off a dinner table and you have to ship it across the country, which is, it was not designed to do. You have to bubble wrap it to protect it until it gets to do its job again. Right. That's what we have to do with the areas of our personalities and our, uh-huh. our behavioral characteristics that don't help us move things forward. We just have to bubble wrap it. That could be people, that could be processes, that can be environments, whatever that looks like, we have to figure it out. And then you can be vulnerable about it because you're not ashamed of it. Like, listen, sister, I don't want to do advanced math. Right. There it is. Amber's not weak, <laughs> you right. know? Right. Um, you know, I think about you, Amber, I think about your powerhouse female in the PR and branding uh, field. And uh, again, we talked about this earlier in a super, you're walking into your clients, you know, are industries that are super male dominated. Uh, As a female disruptor, you know, how do you overcome perhaps the uh, self limitations that as women, we sometimes not, it's not imposed on us, but we sometimes impose it on ourselves. I'm not ready for this. You know, am I really prepared for this? There's others that are better than me. This client may be a big undertaking for me. I'm, I, I don't think I can do this. How, how do we, st- or how have you stopped yourself from doing that and hurting you or hurting your, your business growth potential? Well, I, I think it's really important to keep an even scoreboard. So when you're winning, count that even when, if you've had some losses, right? So. I do things like, um, I've always kept and I encourage everyone in my community to keep an add a girl or an add a boy file. Mm. And so that can be a physical one with like notes or like reviews or whatever. It can be a digital one that's in your inbox. And when you're starting to feel insecure, you go back to those wins and you say, okay, I did that. Okay. I transformed that. Okay. I walked alongside that person and they got that result or whatever that looks like. Um, you know, I go back to pictures of like ridiculous events that I've put on, or, you know, just the joy that people had because of the transformation within their companies, when their employer brand strengthened and their, their, you know, they quit having so much turnover, they got to be a family again. Mm -hmm. And so you have to remind yourself of that. I will say I'm a pretty ballsy person. Anyways, I was born and there was a complication at birth. My Mm -hmm. given was busted. So I don't really I don't like, I'm not a respecter of persons. I don't care if you're a celebrity, a CEO, whatever, like you're a human being like me and I respect your, I mean, I've I've got a friend who's a judge. I completely respect what it took him to get to that place, but he's still, he's still just my friend, you know, like the nothing's changed. And I've worked with so many celebrities and like kind of, you know, even business celebrities over the years that like they have the same vulnerabilities and weaknesses. So the, the true power is like one time I, I took a stage and the COO went on and on and on about me in an area where I was insecure. Wow. Um, and it was something that I was trying to, and, and like, she was setting me up to be this thing. So I'll just tell you, she, she was going on and on about how funny I was. And I was trying to take a comedy class to improve upon my humor in my speeches. 
And, uh, because I didn't know why people laughed and I'm like, well, I can't replicate it. If people, if I don't know why they're laughing. Right. And so she went on and on about how funny I was and how much they enjoyed the morning session, which was a different group. And so the same thing that I said to myself then before I took the stage is the same thing that I say when I walk into a room with a male CEO. Mm-hmm. And that is just to you. They mm-hmm. asked you to be here because they saw oh. your value. And so you don't have to think about everything that can go wrong. Just go up there and do you. Wow. And, and you'll, as long as you're in, cause it's not about me. So I was starting to make it about me. I'm like, oh my gosh, what if I'm not funny? Um, and I was there to serve that audience. And so I just had to have that mind shift. And when I'm having dinner with a CEO or lunch with the CEO and, and he might know, he might know his business strategy. He might know his model through and through. He might know his 10 year plan. He might know exactly when he's going to hit that billion dollar mark. But what he might not know is how to mobilize his number one asset, human capital. He might not understand what do I need to do to make sure that my people strategy matches my business strategy. So I get my business results. And that's why he called me. And so I don't need to worry about what I don't know. I just need to worry about what I do know. Wow. That's powerful. That's powerful. And just that alone, adapting that mindset can put you in that winner's mentality um, that's very powerful. And maybe you screw up. Maybe yeah. you do. So fell forward. Like I've screwed up so many times, so many times. And then you learn that's data too. Like, oops, that didn't work. We won't do that again. That's okay, great. Yeah. Right. So Amber, I'll ask you another question. So I'm big on trying to understand theory and concept. You know, I've looked into uh Seth Godin's purple cow theory and yeah, just had my hands on that book the other day. Yeah. Oh, were you? Um, yeah. <laughs> Simon Sinek's um, Start With The Why. You know, any mm-hmm. books that you would say, Vicki, this one has been a game changer for me. You know, it's either helped me understand the concepts of leadership within an organization or um, just new ways I can think of personal branding. What would you say some of them are? Or just one or two? Yes. So there's two that come to mind and one is a laborious read. So if you're not a reader, you might want to get the close notes on this one. <laughs> it is a hard read, but good to great oh, is, okay. you know, good Classic. is the enemy of great. And, um, and when you're just satisfied with good enough, like that's when you're not, you're not going to be disruptive. You're not going to have the ability to keep up. And so really understanding what makes a great organization, whether you're small or you're giant, that's a great one. Um, and then my friend and one of my mentors and, and a colleague is Sally Hogshead. Um, I'm certified in the How to Fascinate system. I'm one of her OGs, um, maybe not original, but I'm a senior, <laughs> definitely a senior advisor. Um, and and she wrote um, uh, How to Fascinate. So she has multiple books, but really being able to understand it's not about how you psychologically see the world. That's, that's one component of things, but when you're able to understand how the world sees you at your best and what it is about you that allows other people to respond favorably to you now, now that's powerful. So for example, I'm a catalyst, I'm highest in passion. I'm second, technically I'm tied, but little tiebreaker question puts me second in innovation. So I know that I create warm emotional connections so that people trust me to move them through change, through changing their attitude, through changing structures or systems, um, through looking at things in a different way. 
if I don't have the passion part, if I don't create that emotional connection first, I don't get to do this other thing over here. So when you read her book and you look at it through her lens, you start mm -hmm. to stop thinking of like, you stop thinking about everything that I'm not doing right. And you just hone in on those two things that really can move things forward for you to be your most influential. I love that. Speaking about being influential, we had Chris Voss on the podcast several weeks ago. Author uh -huh. of Never Split the, 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 the Difference. Former the FBI. Difference. Yes. Uh -huh. now he teaches uh, organizations and salespeople how to be persuasive and influential. What do you think, you know, if you can give us advice on one concept or strategy uh, that you feel has worked as far as being influential amongst other people that perhaps may be disagreeable with you or may not immediately vibe with you. What's the one thing you learned to do that has created that like, okay, this is one way you can connect with people or be influential with people. It's a two-step process. And again, I always combine marketing and, and science. So this is, this would be like that marketing sales side of things, but you have to ask two questions. One is what's in it for me. And you're asking it on behalf of them. And the other thing is what are they fearing? If you can, first of all, tell them the benefit that they're going to have for whatever. Now you're speaking their language. Again, you're not making it about you or what you want. You're right. making it about them and what they ultimately want. Mm -hmm. And then it's as simple when you ask them, what are they afraid of? That's a simple overcoming objections. Like that's, you do that in the sales process is before yeah. they can say these things, you go ahead and present why it shouldn't be a fear. And so if you're asking for money or if you're asking for a paradigm shift or whatever, you have to paint it in a way that is meaningful to them and go ahead and let them know on the front end, like, and by the way, we can get the money from this other, or we'll just reallocate the funds to over here. And historically it's proven to get this amount of ROI on it. And so we can estimate based on the data that we have, that this is going to be successful again in that same way. What do you think? Mm -hmm. As opposed to just being like, well, I want to do this. Well, that's stupid that you don't like, and I see that. Like, right, 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 right. I, I go into companies and I'm like, well, how's that, how's that strategy working for you? Um, and I'll tell you that a client of mine, somebody in my membership, um, and, and has taken my academy, she applied that strategy. We, we talked through it in group coaching. We talked through both what was in it for the person she needed to influence. And then we started talking through his fears and being really raw about what is the emotional trigger that's keeping him from you, from you getting to have your way. And her way PS was going to save this fortune 50 company, a billion dollars, wow. a billion wow. with a B. So well, it was really important to her that she bought this person in so that she, they could present to senior leadership so they could get funding to save a billion dollars. Wow. This is not chump change. This is not like kumbaya, hold hands, fairies are dancing around us and we're getting woo woo and woke. That's not what this is about. This is about influencing business decisions so that you can have billion dollar results. Mm -hmm. What I'm hearing again is it goes back to, it's never about you. It's never about you. The other person, whether you're in a sales uh, uh, meeting, whether you're giving a presentation, or you're focused on your personal branding, it's yeah. never about you. How interesting! It's never about you. It's always about them. What's in it for them? Mm -hmm. Right. How how do you make them win? How can you service them? And keeping that mm -hmm. question in mind is what I'm hearing from you is um, that that's going to help push forward with your personal branding, get you that land you that contract or that deal, you know, connect mm -hmm. you with that audience when you're giving that presentation. 
if right. you're keeping that in mind. How powerful is that? Wow, Amber. And that's why when I say personal branding is all, it's all about defining, you have to define it and positioning your value. So your value isn't like, well, I think I'm great because, you know, I can, whatever I can cook, like nobody cares. It, your value is what other people think. Your value is how can you serve me? And so, yes, I mean, obviously there's a component of your highest self and your truest self that's embedded in that because you can't serve if you're not showing up as yourself, but it's really about, I'm defining who I am and then I'm positioning it. So I'm valuable to this organization or this person or whatever. What's your mantra in life? <laughs> oh, so many. I mean, I really, I do. I'm very well known for saying just do you, mm -hmm. um, because I think at the end of the day, as long as you're being true to yourself and, and you're offering that to other people, you can lay your head on your pillow at night. Mm -hmm. And, um, and if somebody doesn't like you, guess what? There's billions of people in this world. You will find somebody else who does. And if somebody rejects you, then, then you're just not for them. I mean, think about all the places that we shop. Can you think of a place where you're like, Oh, I would never shop there. That's just not like, mm -hmm. I'm not going to, I'm not going to go to 31 flavors or Jenny's ice cream and ask for vanilla. I don't want vanilla. Like it's just, no, that's boring. I can have all these other flavors. I can have goat cheese, cherry. Like, why would I want vanilla? Mm -hmm. That doesn't make vanilla inherently bad. It's just not what I want. And so whether it's business or personal relationships and somebody just decides like, you're just not for me, that's okay. Go find your people, go find your audience, go find the right employees, go find the right customers who are going to inherently vibe with you. Mm. And then you have a happy life. So just do you. Amber Hurdle, just do you. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Tell me what new projects are you working on and how can people connect with you? So we are working um, with our marketing company um, to take a big step back. Like we, we launched the Velvet Machete Leadership Society, which is our monthly membership. That's all about I mean, we start with personal branding. We end with influencers, five pillars that we walk everyone through and we have different guest experts and stuff every single month and then group coaching with me, but how that was created in the height of the pandemic when everybody was on lockdown and what that might need to look like now could be different. So we're in the process of surveying my audience and trying to like reimagine that and reshape it and then relaunch it so that we can start encouraging and edifying and helping people find their personal brands so that they can create these stronger employer brands and create these strong brands for their businesses and ultimately be the most influential they can be on their short time on this earth. Beautiful. How can people connect with you on social media or get a hold of you? Yeah. If you go to amberhurdle.com, like all of my social is on there. Um, I'm, you know, Instagram, I'm the velvet machete, but really like get with me on LinkedIn. Let's all be, Let's all be business people here. Get me on LinkedIn. I'm Amber Hurdle on there. Very easy to find. And um, you can find it from my website as well. Amber Hurdle, thank you so much for being on today's show. Thank you. Lots of gems, lots of gems. So Amber Hurdle, you can connect with her on LinkedIn. You can connect with her. Are you on, are you on Instagram as well? I am Instagram's the velvet machete, or if you want to oh, see what I had for lunch and what my dog's doing, you can follow me at Amber Hurdle. That's my personal one, but <laughs> the velvet machete is my business one. Awesome. Amber, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you. 
So that wraps up our interview with Amber Hurdle. You heard it from her, the importance of aligning your mission with your organization's mission and the importance of building your brand. Don't forget to tune in on the Disruptors podcast to listen to next week's guest. Thank you.